Good morning to everyone. How are you doing today? A little bit cooler? You like that? Some like it hot. Some like it cold. Thank you. Some like it in the pot nine days old. Everyone's awake. Okay. A new song. You're worthy of my praise. The one in parentheses is the words that you can sing. And then after you know the melody, we can, you can sing whatever you want to in there. How's it go? We'll go through the first verse a couple times together. I will worship with all of my heart. And I will praise you with all of my strength. Okay, let's try it again. It's the same way throughout. I will worship with all of my heart. And I will praise you with all of my strength. I will seek you. chapter 14, where he's having dinner with the Pharisees. Today, however, Jesus is talking about following him. And he has some pretty disturbing words for the Pharisees. Maybe some disturbing words for us as well. We'll find out. But it's about following him. Let's begin our worship today. How can I keep from singing? How 
can I keep from singing your praise? How can I never say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart want to sing. I will lift my eyes to the darkest night, for I know my Savior lives. And I will walk with you, knowing you'll see me through, and sing the songs you can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart want to sing. I can sing in the troubled times, sing when I win, I can sing when I lose my step and fall down again, I can sing cause you lift me up, sing cause you're there, I can sing cause you hear me Lord when I call to you in prayer, I can sing with my last breath, sing for I know that I'll sing with the angels and the saints around your throne. How can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it may that way this morning. Can we sing praise to the Lord? Amen. Let's stand as we are able. We make our beginning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. By God's grace and peace, let us receive the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Father in heaven, in your mercy you call us to turn from our sinful ways and live. We confess that we have run away from your presence by what we do and what we fail to do. We have turned our backs on your love. Forgive us, Father. Draw us again to the cross of your Son that we may be restored in our relationship with you. Father, hear now the silent prayers of confession that we bring before you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are promised redemption and restoration in the presence of our Father 
who hears your prayers and for the sake of his Son forgives you all your sins. Therefore, as a called and ordained servant of Christ, I announce the forgiveness of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let us greet one another with the peace of the Lord. God's peace be with you. Dirt God's peace be It is well. 
restore those who have run away from your presence. Grant us to faithfully follow him who offered his life for us all. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel for today. It is written in the Gospel according to St. Luke. That's New Testament, right? Okay, I just want to make sure. Luke chapter 14, where we picked up from last week, continuing after verse 14. He's talking about... When one of those who reclined at table with him, remember Jesus is still eating with the Pharisees. When one, when one of them was, when, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard the words that he was saying, he said to him, "Blessed is everyone who will eat in the kingdom of God." But he said to them, "A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited." Come, for everything is ready now. <clears throat> but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore cannot come. So the servant came back and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded I have done, and still there is room. The master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first 
and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for soil or for the manure pot. It's thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated as we sing our sermon hymn.
When I was a child, I remember a dessert my mother used to make. And it was a canned peach on top of a scoop of cottage cheese. You remember this dessert? Some of you are making faces. I made faces. Without, in fact, it was on lettuce as well. It was a saucer plate. I remember it was an oval table. I'm sitting at the end. Saucer plate, leaf of lettuce, cottage cheese, and a peach. I was the last one at the table. I had to eat the peach and dessert. I had to finish it before I could get up. It was dark outside. I remember being the only one in the kitchen, and I had to finish that dessert. There was no bending for all whining and crying that I made. I still had to eat that dessert. You know, I don't remember eating it, but I probably did. I probably had to. The lesson? I had to do it in order to get up from the table. I had to be obedient, and it was not negotiable. I had to do what my mom and dad said. I had to eat that dessert. Obedience was obligatory. Well, go ahead 25 years. When Becky and I had kids, the kids were small, right? We would eat. Kids would cry and complain, I want to eat my peas. So you have to eat your peas. Eat your peas. Well, I eat my peas. No. Pretty soon, Becky would scoop some of the peas off to the side and say, just eat those. You don't have to eat this, just eat those. It's not the way my mom and dad was. Lesson, if I complain and whine and make enough noise, I can negotiate a settlement to my advantage. Obedience is negotiable. Obedience is circumstantial. I don't like peas. I don't want to eat it. I'm full. Except pie is next, so you know they're not that full. When we read our gospel for today, Jesus is telling a parable in which a banquet, and he's talking about food, is given by a man of great wealth. As in most kingdoms at that time, they would invite the other wealthy, perhaps a lord or a duke we can compare it to, or a baron. This would be the Pharisees, and they're inviting other people to eat with them. But as this king or this man sends out the invitation to these wealthy people, they return and say, I'm I'm too busy. They each have excuses. They each have excuses not to come to this party that, that the wealthy man is throwing. Jesus' conclusion to the parable teaching is this. He who does not hate father and mother, wife and children, is not worthy to be my disciple. He uses the parable as an example. All of them had other things to do and did not follow the invitation of the master. Even his own or her own life, if they don't deny it and don't give it up, is not worthy to follow me. We often read this text and these lines stick to us like glue. Shocked at Jesus' demands. How can Jesus appear to be so mean, so demanding? Is he literally saying that we do this, that we hate 
mother and father or wife or children or give them up or even act contrary to our best interest even when regarding our life? This is not a God of love and mercy. At this point, many people would say, I can't believe in a God who makes those kinds of demands. He's a God of division, causing family dysfunction and strife. Does he honestly make such unrealistic demands? Not only at that time, but today as well, to be his disciple and obey and follow him. Do we really need to put wife, children, mother, father, loved ones off to the side and follow him. Well, brothers and sisters, yes. These are his demands. These are God's demands. Total obedience. Total self-negation. Your own life and your relationship given up to follow him. His demands are that we follow him and him alone. It's first commandment. Trust in the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. What else is left? He is a God who demands us to eat all of our peas, if you will. Clean the plate. Such are the house rules that you finish your meal. You obey the commands. He's not a God who negotiates obedience. His rules are not negotiable. In spite of our whining and crying, he does not give in. Although we think that we can get away with it. This is a side of God that we don't like. This is a side of God that we rarely talk about. The holy, righteous wrath of God against all who are disobedient, meaning his whole creation. We cannot totally live for him. You see, if we were to have to choose between me as a parent or Becky as a parent, we'd choose Becky, right? She loves us. She understands that we can't eat all the peas. Okay? She has, a, and, and, and it's nothing against Becky, but I have to make it personal. I can't say there was this woman who would parabolize it, okay? We would choose her, the one who separates only some of the good peas for us to eat. Yeah, yeah. But you know, that can get smaller and smaller, and so suddenly I have to eat only one pea. We would even go so far as to say that this is the parent that shows great love, grace, and mercy. And understands that we don't like peas. Well, that's how we are with God. That's the parent that we chose God to be. And that is how we act with him. We renegotiate with God every day of our lives. We want him to accept our discipleship based on our ability and our terms of what we consider to follow him. You know I can't go to church every Sunday. You know, I can't forgive everyone because some people I just hate. You know, I can't love this person because they're just unlovable. You can't expect me to choose you all the time when fun is just right around the corner. I want what is best for my kids and you want me to love them. So we're going to the beach today. 
God is at the beach too. But worst of all is when we negotiate with God telling other people, oh yeah, God understands. He knows that I cannot complete all of his demands fully. He knows I'm only human, so he'll forgive me. We cheapen his grace. We want him to slide the peas over and just do what we can for him. We all do it. We expect God to overlook his terms of obedience based on what we consider our ability and inability to follow him in faith and be obedient to his will. And also, worst of all, is that we judge his love and faithfulness to us by the same standard. We consider this to be a loving and gracious God. He understands me. We rely on his forgiveness to live unrighteously. We rely on his forgiveness to live unrighteously. To live outside of his demands. And we ask him to love us anyway. Even though we consciously do. Like a parent who says, I can't spank my son because he's so cute. We try God and say, we're your creation. You can't condemn me. This assumes that our confession of sins comes before we have even committed them. And we can continue with our life how we want to live it because we know we're forgiven. We negotiate with God. God does not overlook our sin based on our inability to be perfect. Nor does he overlook our sins based upon our intentions to be obedient to his command as creator of us all. He is under no obligation to forgive us. He is under no obligation to forgive us. Quite the contrary, we are under obligation to him because he created us. He created us in his image. It's not optional. Even those who do not believe in God simply don't know that God created them. And they are under obligation. We owe everything to him as creatures. Our obedience, the totality of our lives, our breathing in... And our exhaling, the beating of our heart, the blood that runs through our veins in obedience to him. This is not the way God operates through negotiation. His demands are just and they are to be fully met. We are not worthy of him if we cannot sacrifice all. We are not worthy of him if we cannot make him priority number one in our lives. And we are not worthy of him if anything comes between us and him. We cannot dedicate ourselves to anything else in this world except him. And the cry goes up, what are we supposed to do? What do you expect from me, God? Because I fail at every step and negotiation is a part of my life. You see, we always do this when we read scripture. We always do this. We always put ourselves as the center of the text. We always read the text meaning that it's something that we must do. We always read a text in the wrong way. 
And by that I mean that we believe that the scripture is prescriptive, that it's telling us to do certain things in order to be saved. Because we think the text is about us, we fail to see what Christ is doing in the gospel narrative for us and to us. Instead, we see it as what we must do. The gospel is the good news of revealing Christ and what he has done for us. So we constantly read everything in scripture, and particularly this gospel text and passage, as indicating the only way that we can follow Christ is by what we do. And we leave it at that, and we begin to negotiate, because we can't. The more we rely on negotiating our obedience to meet the demands of God makes us, that makes from us, we will continue to whine and want God to love us in our own terms. We will still hold ourselves up as the standard to which God and his love should conform to us if he is a loving God. Do it my way. We want him to love us in spite of our inability to leave all we have to follow him. But God does not love us in spite of our sins, nor does he give in because he feels sorry for us. He loves us because he is love. And we are his creation. It is his nature to love his creation. He loves us by paying the price and the obedience of his son for what we cannot be obedient at. He doesn't forgive us because he understands us in our nature. He demands a sacrifice of someone obedient to him alone. Someone who is created in his image and for the purpose for which he created all mankind. Someone who can appease his anger. Someone who can, let's say, finish the peas on our plate. Let's find Christ in the text. Instead of asking the question, what is the text telling me to do here? Let's listen to what God in Christ is doing for us in the text. Jesus demands, reveal that we are unable to live the way that he wants us to. Returning to our gospel text, we see Jesus at work in chapter 14, calling the Pharisees who were chosen to be God's children as the people of Israel And last week, our Lord condemns conceited conduct of placing one's own self first in places of honor and distinction because of what they deem worthy and meritorious based on their own behavior. For the Pharisees, they believed that they kept God's law perfectly and were therefore God's chosen people. They chose the seats of honor, you remember, the way that many Christians today compare their Christian behavior to others and deem themselves superior and worthy. Jesus shows them, however, that it is the unworthy, those who confess that they are not good enough, those who say that they have relied on themselves and have not behaved worthily. He calls them to sit at the head of the table. To these, God shows his love and his mercy. And so this week, even more so, God builds upon this teaching through Jesus when he talks to the Pharisees and he talks to us and says that we cannot call ourselves disciples of Christ and follow him based on our standards of what is acceptable, based on what, when, and how we have time for him. 
True and worthy discipleship is not hitting the follow button on God's Instagram page. It is not the like button as he displays scripture posts or pictures of his creation and work in this world on Facebook. True and worthy discipleship is not our ability to negotiate by our standards of what peas to eat and what not on a plate. The same way he does not say, if you want to follow me, just love me on Sunday and during the week. We can love other things. He's not our God because he lo- we love him. He's our God because he loved us. True discipleship is confessing that we seek after pleasure and what we love in our lives and what is dear to us instead of fully trusting him. We fail at denying ourselves. We acknowledge that we seek our own interests, placing them in first priority over against God's terms. And knowing our unworthiness and confessing our inability to follow we suddenly find ourselves invited into the feast with kind words of invitation. Trust my son, your brother. Only he can obey me perfectly. Give him your unfinished plate. He is obedient. He will eat them for you. He alone trusts me perfectly. Rejoice in him. Only he can live the sacrificial life that you cannot, and he does so for you. Trust in him who gives his righteousness for your unrighteousness and his obedience for your disobedience, his perfection for your pretentiousness, his punishment and sacrifice for you to be free, free from guilt and punishment of your inability to follow God as he demands. And in exchange, he invites you to the new feast, an everlasting feast established through his body and blood where you are nourished and strengthened to live your life freely for God out of love. As in the parable, our Lord calls in the poor, the hungry, the unable, the lame to dine at his table, for they know that they have nothing They know that they have nothing to offer God. They are empty. They are searching. They are wandering. It is not that they are worthy, for they have nothing. But they know that without the invitation, without grace and mercy and the forgiveness of the Lord, they are lost. They are on the streets. This is you. And this is me. Unable by our own reason or strength to sacrifice self and to put ourselves above our desires in order to follow God. We are the unworthy. We are the poor. Yet he invites us to follow him and makes it possible by taking us up through baptism to be his children. By continually providing for us even when we cannot. You are claimed by him to dine at the Lord's table, to receive forgiveness, to have your hearts and minds cleansed so that by his love and his choosing, we might share in his cross, telling others of his love and forgiveness to call all people to dine at his table where there is rest and comfort for searching souls. Amen.
Romans says, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let us together with all true Christians boldly make confession of our faith, agreeing with what scripture teaches. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Paul writes, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus Christ and all the saints. United in love and faith, let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For the gospel of Jesus Christ to reach into every corner of our broken world, that all who are running away from our Heavenly Father turn from the path that leads to destruction, and by the Holy Spirit turn to Jesus for redemption and restoration. Lord, in your mercy. For all those within the Church of Christ, both clergy and laity, that we join as one to share the restoring words of Jesus with those who are sent to serve, embodying the spirit of Paul's words to Philemon, that the sharing of our faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all those who seek restoration with others, that the message of forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation not only be received in humble faith, but also shared within the relationships we have knowing that every one of us is dependent upon Christ's mercy and love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We also pray for the sick, the suffering, the grieving, and the lonely, especially those we name in our hearts. We commit them to your loving care, heal, help, and comfort them according to your will. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those celebrating birthdays and anniversaries this week and the many blessings that they have received, Lord, we give you thanks and ask for your continued blessings. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Congregation, we have prayer requests. Lord, we pray for the family of Ed Faustina, who died recently. He's a schoolmate of Steve and Deb Connell. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, 
we pray for ongoing prayers for Frank Sino. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And Lord, we pray for Judy Santacar, that she will be gaining ground in her physical therapy and, and have also low spirits. She is in the Fair, Fairfield Rehab Center. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for Rhonda, for good health, and to keep her and her spirit in faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for Loretta Jensen's PET scan that showed some tumors outside of her lungs have diminished and with no new growth. And we pray for Loretta to continue with chemo treatments. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for renewed health for all of God's people who need renewed strength and great health in their body and mind. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for the victims of the hurricane uh, that's ravishing the East Coast, Dorian, especially those living in Alabama. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for Patrick's family and all the good people in church today. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for Laura Walden, who is traveling to Florida today. Lord, in your mercy, yeah. hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all of our needs and all for whom we pray in the way your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. At this time we gather the offering.
through your risen Son, you have given us new life. Empower each one of us through your Holy Spirit, so that with joy and commitment, we tell all those around us of your love and grace, and may what we offer here sustain your mission through this congregation. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. If you're interested in knowing more about Jesus Christ or about Grace Lutheran Church, please go to www.gracealoneonline.org. You can email us at gracealoneonline at gmail.com.